Welcome to the Period Story Podcast, the podcast where we get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods. We chat with women about their period story, their first period, their journey ever since, and we open up a conversation to help break taboos and stigmas around menstruation. I'm your host, Denise Brothers. I'm a yoga teacher and registered nutritionist specializing in women's health, hormones, and the menstrual cycle. I'm also the author of You Can Have a Better Period, the book Publishers Weekly calls an empowering debut, an informative, refreshing take on women's health. It's available from Amazon, Bookshop, and anywhere else you purchase books. I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with Kelly Newton. Kelly is the founder of Nixie Body, which is a period and incontinence underwear brand. Kelly tells the story of her first period, her journey through endometriosis, having had a hysterectomy, and then dealing with all of the symptoms of menopause, including incontinence, and how that led to her starting an underwear brand, incontinence underwear brand, in her 40s, and how the brand is now going from strength to strength. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for coming on to the show. I'm really excited to speak to you and hear the story of your first period and to talk about your amazing company. So let's get started. So tell us the story of your very first period. Okay. So I, do you know what? It's really difficult for me to remember exactly what age it was because I feel like I've blocked this out of my mind, but I believe I was around 13 or 14 and I was at school and kind of felt a little bit sticky down below. And I thought, oh, this doesn't feel right. I didn't have any any pains or anything like that. So went to the toilet and yeah, there was, there was, I suppose it was blood obviously, but it was like a brown kind of lumpy kind of thing. And I was like, what on earth is this? Because I was expecting, you know, full-blown red blood to be dispersed. And, and that wasn't the case at all. So I obviously didn't have any sanitary products with me. So put some toilet paper down there and went home. And I suppose any normal person would have went, gone in and told their mum, but I was so embarrassed that this had happened to me that I knew where my mum kept her pads and I stole a pad and used that and took it to school the next day to get rid of it because I didn't want my mum to see it in the bin. Um, but I'd also kind of nicked a couple more to get me through the next couple of days. So yeah, thankfully it wasn't a particularly heavy first period. It was just a little bit kind of muddy looking, sticky, kind of lumpy thing. Yeah. So that was my first period. Um, I didn't actually tell my mum for about three months that I'd had my period because I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. Um, so I, and she only realized that I'd started my period because her sanitary towels were depleting. <laughs> she wondered, <laughs> she wondered where they were going. So she asked me and then I was very embarrassed and cried and told her yeah, I started my period. Um, and madly enough, my sister did exactly the same when she started her period. Yeah. Yeah. And my mum, my mum and dad are lovely. Don't get me wrong, you know, but we, we just didn't talk about things like that. So I think probably my first experience of knowing about a period was at school. I found out at school, um, during our, I suppose, a biology lesson. I went to an all girls school. Uh, again, it was maybe a 20 minute, half an hour chat about this is what's going to happen. You're going to get a period. My mum probably mentioned it maybe once in passing, you know, one day you're going to get a period and you're going to bleed. Um, and then you need to use some sanitary products, but I didn't understand anything else to do with why I was getting a period, why my body was doing that. Um, and probably didn't understand a lot of that until I was a bit older. So just go back to what you were saying about the embarrassment. So 
you had your period for three months before your mom discovered that you had it because her her pads were depleting. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that, the embarrassment and like why your instinct was to hide it? I think we just didn't talk about things like that in our house. You know, I was I got it was really close to my mum and dad, but I also I I don't know. I just felt a bit. I don't think I was shame. I didn't feel shame. I just we just didn't talk about things like that. It, you know, we yeah, it just wasn't a conversation that we openly had. And so because my mum and dad didn't talk about things like that, I suppose that kind of embarrassment was put on us. I was I was always quite an. I was embarrassed about a lot of stuff as a kid, like you know, walking past a group of people. I didn't want to walk past a group of people. I wouldn't like to walk into a place on my own because I'd be embarrassed. And, I, and still to this day, if I'm meeting a friend in a pub, I'll make sure I'm a little bit late so I'm not the first one to go in there. I hate walking in anywhere on my own. I get completely, like, really, really embarrassed about stuff like that. I don't know if it's just just how I am. I don't know, but it's difficult to say. You know, we we're, we are we had a lovely childhood, a really lovely childhood. There was never any secrets or anything like that. I just, I don't know. I just always get really embarrassed about things, I suppose. And when we, when I started the company, kind of going on a bit and talking about my issues that I've got, then I felt very, very embarrassed about talking about things. But now, obviously, you know, I tell everybody about my business. Um, and, <laughs> and I think a lot of that has been working with Connie, who's a little bit younger than me, who very openly talks about these things. So I feel like she's helped me to, to kind of come out and, you know, and, and not feel the embarrassment and shame that I, that I previously felt. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a generational thing. Maybe, you know, I'm 52. Maybe it's a generational thing. But, um, yeah, the fact that my sister also, with this, this came out recently. My sister said the same thing that she, she didn't tell mum for a couple of months either because she was really embarrassed as well. Yeah. I don't know. Strange. So then your mum found out and then did you have a chat? Did you ask her lots of questions or was it kind of like short and sweet? No, no questions. (laughs) Again. I didn't want to talk to my mum about it. I was so embarrassed. And my mum, literally, I think my mum just said to me, look, you, you need uh, sanitary towels, so I'll buy extra. They'll be in my cupboard, in my wardrobe, and just help yourself when you need them. There was no, like, you know, you can use towels or you can use tampons. I think I probably found out about tampons or tampax through friends at school. Um, and, yeah, that's probably where I found out all of the information that I needed to find out. And, and my biology lessons, I suddenly then started to take a bit more of an interest as like, why am I having periods? And oh, it's because of this. Um, still didn't un- understand completely what was going on with my body. And I think that's, um, something that's gone through all of my life. To be honest with you, I'm quite, I feel like I was quite naive about all of those things. But yeah, mum didn't really explain to me what was happening. She just said, there's the towels when you need them, when you come on, then, you know, just help yourself. And that was it. And that feeling of it. A- of embarrassment did it continue as you went further through your teenage year um no, probably not no because then as you turn into so I was probably 13 14 when I started my period but like, when you get to 16 17 and I know this through my own experience with having teenage girls you don't actually care um and going back actually the the girls so you know I'm a foster carer so I, I had four foster daughters at one time all the same age and you know, one of our one of our girls started her period at nine, but I wasn't actually in the house when she started her period. My husband was here, but I feel like I really did prepare them for what was going to happen. We talked a lot about periods and about the fact it's nothing to be embarrassed about. And that's obviously going from my experience. I didn't want my girls to feel like that. So when um, my one of my girls started her period, 
when I wasn't here, my husband called me to say that she told him that she'd started her period. She was nine years old and she told him that she'd started her period and he'd managed to sort her out a bag of stuff because I honestly didn't expect it to happen at nine. Um, so she was prepared for that and she, and he put her on the phone and she was like, it's fine. Dad, you know, dad sorted me. I'm all okay. And I felt such relief with that. But also knowing as girls get older, they quite disgusting and they can just leave their used sanitary towels, you know, on the side, not purposely. I don't think it's just a case of like, um, you know, they, they just don't care. There's no embarrassment and no shame, which. I'm glad they're not embarrassed and they're not ashamed about it, but you know, come on, girls, like tidy, tidy up after yourself. <laughs> a bit disgusting. And I think I was probably the same. You know, you don't think about that as a teenage girl. You just, just, you know, you're using these things. Maybe you're in a rush. You might leave it on the side, and you just, you don't even think about, you know, my mum or my dad's going to go in and see that. So I think I kind of got over the shame of it. Um, but I just think that's by being a typical teenage girl and just not thinking and being lazy and, um, you know, whatever. But one of my earliest, one of my, this is like a core memory for me. I had really, really heavy periods, really heavy periods. And I remember sitting at school, I must've been about 15 and I had one of my mum's like, you know, massive pads, like the biggest pad ever in. And I had that in my period knickers and, um, and I had my, obviously, I think I had a pair of tights on. I had my collots on and I was sat on a plastic chair. And when I got up, I'd bled all the way through my trousers all over the plastic chair. Um, and I mean, I was so, so heavy and the shame, the absolute shame of that. So that for me is a core memory. Going to a girls school, you can imagine you know, girls are like taking the mickey out of you and teasing you and whatever. Um, so I, I had, didn't realize until later on in life that I actually had endometriosis. And it's another thing I didn't realize about periods, about what's not what's a normal period, and you know, being particularly heavy, very, very heavy, that could have been the sign of something else. And it wasn't until in my thirties I was diagnosed as having endometriosis. So yeah, and, and a, another thing that I try to get across to the girls, you know, heavy periods are they're not normal and we need to get them checked out. So yeah, I've learned a lot over the years. <laughs> So talk a little bit about the endometriosis. So one of the symptoms you had was heavy periods. And then what what did it look like for you? Okay, so I mean, I I was just very, very heavy, heavy periods, heavy clotting, pain, like really bad cramps and pain, but also pain down my legs mm. to the extent where, you know, I was I was struggling to walk sometimes. Um also sex, very painful sex that was, you know, really uncomfortable, not enjoyable. Um, and like, yeah, you just kind of think, what on earth is going on with me here? And backwards and forwards to the doctors eventually. I mean, I was really lucky. I had my two sons and I fell pregnant within a month of trying with both of them. So didn't have any issues there, but went to see, um, an amazing gynecologist, Dr. Hannah. Everybody I know used to see Dr. Hannah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, at the time we were really lucky my husband had private health cover because I, this had been going on with the NHS for such a long time. And in the end, my husband said, look, just why don't you just, we'll go private. We can just use my private health cover. So went to see Dr. Hannah. And before I knew it, like a week later, I was in surgery and we were having the endometriosis laser door. Um, and then a couple of years later, I had to go back again because I was really suffering with cramps. And again, really heavy periods. And, um, we, it was lasered again. And then they decided, let's put you on the coil because of how much pain I was in. So 
I remember going to the doctors to have the coil inserted, but I think I had a tilted, I think my, is it my, what something was tilted. See, again, this is how little I know about my own body. Something was tilted. So he couldn't put the, the coil in. They tried for ages. It was really painful. Couldn't do it. So he said, I think you need to go to the hospital. So we went back to the hospital again, had the coil inserted. I then bled every day for nine months on the coil. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, this is, this can't be right. This is not right. So, um, Dr. Hannah said, look, I think, I think maybe we need to have a hysterectomy, which I was absolutely fine about. I just thought, you know, I've got my two boys. I think we had four foster daughters also at the time, which to be fair, we've always had about four foster daughters or four foster children as well. I was like, my, childbearing years are over. I'm quite happy not to have any more children. And that's how I felt about, you know, my womb. So um yeah, went in, had the coil removed at the same time as having a hysterectomy. But I remember coming round from the surgery and the the consultant saying to me, I left your ovaries in because I don't I didn't want you to go into early menopause. And in typical Kelly style, as my son would say, um, I started the menopause like the symptoms I started having the symptoms of the menopause within the year. So, um, yeah, turns out again, another thing my mum didn't really talk to us about was my mum had, so she started the menopause in her early forties. So I was 42, 43 when I had my hysterectomy. So yeah, started the, the symptoms, which because the surgeon had said to me, I've taken, I've left your ovaries in, so you don't go into early menopause. I didn't think that I was going through the menopause and all I'd ever read about with the menopause were hot flushes and night sweats and they weren't my symptoms so my symptoms were rage literally I wanted to kill every single person that I came in contact with so I'd come home from work and I'd come in the house and one of the kids school bags would be there and I would literally pick it up and across the room and I'd be like who left their bag then I was gonna literally wanted to kill every member of my family and my husband would be like what's going on right there and he's like, go and lay down. You need to go and lay down. And I'd be crying. Um, I'd drop the kids to school and I'd come back and I'd lay on the rug in the front room and I wouldn't get up again until I had to go and pick them up from school. Like, like I was severely depressed. Um, palpitations. I was having panic attacks. I remember doing my shop for Christmas. It was like a couple of days before Christmas. I'm doing my major shop to get all my food in. And I think we probably had about 22 people around that year. And I was in the shop and then started to, you know, when your heart, starts to go and I'm like, oh my God, no, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I couldn't catch my breath. So I'm in, I'm in the shops, like crying and like sweating and everyone's staring at me like I'm an absolute lunatic. Um, managed to get myself through and pay for everything and get in the car and just laying there crying, thinking, what is happening to me? What I don't understand what's happening to me. So yeah, that was the start of my menopause um <laughs> story. So yeah. What's really interesting is that you when you said early early menopause I was expecting you to say about like kind of mid-30s but 42 43 is like typically the age that we start perimenopause yeah so you your symptoms were or were much worse but I don't like it's interesting that that was classed as early menopause yeah um I just want to take it back to you know your kind of teenage years because I read this story where you had said that you found a note after at your after school netball club um, that a people have brought in excusing her from participating participating in PE due to her period, and you thought, why should your period stop you from playing sport? 
I thought yeah. that was really interesting because so many teenage girls I hear and so many women talk about how they used to use their period as an excuse to get out of pee, to stop playing sport. And, you know, you see statistics where girls, once they get their period, they often, a lot of time, like you see a decline in sport participation. So can you talk a little bit about you playing sport and um, how that kind of connected and with you having endometriosis? Yeah. So, I mean, I started playing netball at nine at my primary school. And I, I mean, we were always like running around and doing whatever at school, but my family weren't a particularly sporty family. But I started playing netball, absolutely loved it. And I'm like, I'm very, very competitive. I'm like, this, this is for me. So when I went to secondary school, I was so lucky at that particular time. There were classes every lunchtime and after school. And I signed myself up for everything. I played football, hockey. I did athletics, dance, volleyball, gymnastics, you know, you name it. I was in every team. I was that girl and absolutely loved it. And I could, after school, one day a week, me and my friend Sally would go to another secondary school to do some more netball training because we loved it so much. And that's where I found the note. So it wasn't at my girls' school because all the girls, I feel like a lot of the girls at my school like played sport, but this note, I couldn't believe it. And you could tell that this pupil had written it herself and signed it on behalf of her mum. And I'm like, why would you, why would you not want to play sports? Even at that age, I knew you know, my period never stopped me from doing anything. And, and, and in those days, the only sanitary products we had, period products we had were like the really big thick towels. I mean, I'm talking like over an inch thick. That's what I used to wear every single day. I swear to you, they were disgusting. They were huge. Um, with the, we didn't even have wings at that time. Wings weren't out on, on period products then. So. I would play netball. I would play any sport on my period wearing literally a brick in my knickers to soak <laughs> up all of the blood. It was so bad, but it never, ever stopped me. Obviously, when I discovered Tampax, then that's great. I was wearing those to play sport. So you're right. So many girls nowadays are dropping out of sports as soon as they start their periods and they're, they're just giving it up. But we know, all of us know, and I must have known that at the time, Sport is so good for you physically and mentally. And I've really tried to encourage my girls to carry on playing sport and my boys. You know, I want them to keep fit and keep active, keep mentally, mentally healthy as well. Um, it's been a lot more difficult as the girls have got older. Um, you can't force them. I've worked out. I've realized you can't force them to play hockey if they don't want to. They just won't go. Um, so yeah, even though I had, I think even though I had really heavy periods, I'm pretty sure that playing all of those sports, really helped me to maintain, you know, to maintain that and, and not to, I don't feel like the effects of the endometriosis were particularly bad. I don't remember them being particularly bad at that age, possibly because I was playing all of those sports. As I got older and I was working, I wasn't playing as much sports. I still played hockey or netball on a Saturday and trained once a week, but I wasn't playing every single day. And I feel like that's when I started to realise how you know, how bad my periods were and how painful they were. Um, but actually, I think they got a lot worse as I got a lot older and then stopped playing sports for a little bit. So I didn't play when I had the kids um, and also struggled when they were little to get out and do anything like that. And I think that's when they got really bad. Um, so I've, I feel like sport has really helped me to to kind of get through those heavy periods and, and those times of, you know, um, I don't feel like it was as bad as when I didn't play sports. Mm. 
and also you have when you're playing sport, you release endorphins, mm-hmm. which are a natural painkiller. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, being menopausal now, that I am so like I need to exercise and I stretch out. I stretch most days. Um, I probably work out about five times a week, and I know. So I didn't work out a couple of weeks ago. I had a really busy couple of weeks, didn't do anything at all. And then I did a yoga class at eight o'clock on the Monday. And then I did a strength class. And I cannot tell you how much better my day was for doing that. Mentally, I was able to concentrate. I was I got a lot more work done than I had in the previous two weeks where I'd done absolutely no exercise whatsoever. So, you know, that it's so important. I can't stress how important exercise is to me. And I try to stress this to my girls as well, but nobody listens to me anymore in my house. So <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting because you see, um, you know, women in their fifties and sixties, they tend to have this attitude that, and of course I'm generalizing here, but this exercise is a form of punishment, you know, like no pain, no gain. And, you know, the research tells us, especially, you know, once you're on the other side of the menopause, um, how important exercise is for bone health, for mental health. Yeah. And, you know, the strength training, how the, you know, how important it is. And there's this fear of bulking up and having muscles. And, you know, it's, I just find it, I find it really worrying because there are so, so many benefits. And, you know, you said it yourself, you know, you saw the effects that when you did those two days of training of exercise on your mental health and your physical health. And I just really want, this shift to continue you know you see it in younger women where they don't see it as a pun generally speaking they don't see it as a punishment and they're happy to do different classes but for that to kind of trickle through to kind of um, in their 50s and 60s yeah do you know, it's really funny I think out of all of my groups of friends I'm the only one who exercises I'm the only one actually no there's one other friend of mine who plays netball but all of my other friends really like maybe belong to a gym but don't go very often um you know I, I i play golf still i i gave up hockey a few years ago <laughs> i think it was because of the menopause because i was getting quite aggressive and uh, <laughs> it's not it's not helpful when you have a hockey stick in your hand like and you're playing and you're very feeling very aggressive like you're gonna hurt somebody so i actually had to take a step back i was honestly having a row with somebody every week on the hockey pitch and i'm like don't want to do this this is this is not conducive to me being calm and enjoy, you know, sports for, sport for me is supposed to be, like you say, releasing endorphins. I'm supposed to enjoy it. It's a time. Team sports, especially are great. You know, you're meeting up with friends and it's really, you know, it's good for your mental health. And that, that wasn't happening. I was wanting to kill people and hurt people. So <laughs> it was best that I gave that up. And although golf, obviously I'm holding a stick still in my hand. Um, this is a sport where if I, if I have a bad shot, that's down to me. I've got no one else to blame but me. And I enjoy the walk as well. So I was finding, I was getting frustrated in hockey because I know I want to run and I want to get that ball, but my body's telling me, it's laughing at me saying, you're never going to get that ball. You're going to, your knee's going to give up before you get to that ball. So I was getting frustrated with it. I needed something a little bit more sedate, but I do run now. Um, I run, you know, two or three times a week. I didn't run the, I haven't run, I didn't run for a couple of weeks. I'm back on it now and I'm determined. I've set myself a goal. We're doing a ten, couple of 10 Ks next year. So that will keep me, you know, I'm focused. I'm focused on that. Um, I do the strength training. I do a lot of weight training because like you say, as you go through menopause, you need to keep your bones strong. You're, you're at risk of osteoporosis. 
So I'm really aware of that. But out of all of my friends, I'm the only one I think that does all of this stuff. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you girls? You know, I want to still be active in my 80s. I still want to be moving about and doing stuff and be mentally with it. Um, And it worries me to think that, you know, my friends aren't doing all that and they're not looking after themselves. Yeah, it's, but I've always been this way. Exercise has always been my release. Sport has always been my release. So um, I don't know why, you know, why I feel like I'm the only one like that in, in my friendship group. So it's just, yeah, people need to step up. They need to start. You need to really look after your body all the way for your life. And I realize that, especially so yeah. now. Yeah. And this kind of ties nicely into your, the story around, around your company where, <laughs> you know, in, in, you had had incontinence related to childbirth, related to menopause, and that you found that that was an issue playing sport. Can you just talk a little bit about that? So what happened was I obviously had the boys and had a little few little issues with incontinence, like stress and urge incontinence after I had the boys, but that seemed to improve a little bit. And then going through the men starting the menopause it was a whole new <laughs> story to me. So I was playing hockey, and I remember. You know, weeks before, I was absolutely fine. I stretched for the ball, no problems. But all of a sudden, I'd be stretching for the ball and a little bit of wee would be coming out. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> What's going on down there? That had never happened to me before. Um, and then if I scored a goal and celebrated, it was like game over. I've like completely wet my knickers. So um, it was, in, and I just started at this new team. And I remember turning to one of the women and saying, oh my God, I've just, I've just wet myself. And she's like laughing. She went, oh, don't worry. I do that all the time as well. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and then everyone starts talking and then we realize before we go, when we go to a game and we've warmed up, everyone then has to have a wee and then we go play the game. Then half time, everyone's off having a wee again. And as soon as the game's finished, we're all back in the toilet and we're like, Oh my God, what's going on? And we're all women of like this, we're around the same age in our forties, fifties, sixties. Um, so I thought, Oh my God, this is, this is not nice. This is not nice. So we're towards the end of having periods. I'd used a menstrual cup and that was like 20 years ago. I'd started to use a menstrual cup just after my son, I'd had my son because of the really heavy periods and absolutely loved it. And I, again, I'm trying to say to all my friends, you've got to try this menstrual cup. And they were like, that's disgusting. Like, what do you mean you stick that up inside you? None of them would try it. One friend tried it and loved it. So I was a real, you know, advocate for the menstrual cup. So then not having periods for a long time, didn't have to use anything. But then starting to leak, I thought, well, I don't want to use disposables again because I know that they're not good for me. Um, they, they used to really irritate me down below and they, you know, they're just horrible. They move about when you're playing sports. I don't want to go back to that. So I'd, I'd heard about reusable underwear, looked online, couldn't find anything that I wanted to wear. You know, I'm still, I felt I was still young, still a bit with it, still wanted to feel attractive and sexy. And I think underwear plays a really big part in that. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to design my own pair. So designed a pair of knickers without obviously absolutely no experience whatsoever then forgot about it because I was going through the menopause and again I wasn't I didn't know I was really going through the menopause and I was in a really bad place um but eventually thought no sod it I'm going to go for this so found a tech designer and we worked together to design a pair of knickers that I wanted I wanted them to be really discreet wanted them to be absorbent but I didn't want you to be able to see the pad through my tight gym leggings I didn't want to be able to see the do you know the line around the knickers when you get a double bum? That's like my, I hate that. That's, my husband says to me, stop staring at people's bums when you're out. I'm like constantly <laughs> staring to see if they've got a visible panty line. So I'm like, she needs my knickers. She needs my knickers. Um, 
So yeah, we designed them so they've got really lovely seamless scalloped edging and you can't see them at all underneath like tight gym leggings. And don't know where I found the confidence from, but found a factory and then ordered 4,000 pairs and then had to set up a website. And, you know, out of just wanting a decent pair of knickers, I'm now running a business that sold thousands and thousands of pairs of knickers. We're now stocked in boots. We are on QVC. <laughs> so I've done live TV. Um, and we've got women of all ages buying my knickers. And obviously, because of the technology, they're actually suitable for periods and for leaks. So my girls wear them for their periods. I wear them for leaks. We've got young girls of nine all the way up to like a 96-year-old woman who rings up for her knickers. Um, yeah, all because I needed a decent pair of knickers. <laughs> I think it's really, it's amazing because you started this company in your 40s and you know, that's a time where you have so much going on and, you know, you might be really kind of in, in, entrenched in your career and you have the confidence to be able to say, this is a problem. I want to solve it. And this is how I'm going to be able to do it. What would you say to women who are oh, in their forties and are thinking about starting a business, but they they don't have the confidence and they think, oh, well, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this, blah, blah. What yeah. would you say to them? Do you know what? I say if I can do it, anyone can do it. Because like I said, I just started the I just started the menopause. I was in a really, really bad place. I, honestly, I can't even tell you some of the stories that, that how bad it was for me. Um, I had six children at the time. So we had four foster daughters and two sons of our own. And I was working in a clinic like part-time as well, which I still do to, to this day because I love it. It's my release from everything. Um, you can find the time if you have an idea and it's something that you know that you need and other people need, just bloody go for it. Ask questions. I mean, I Googled everything. Google was my saviour. I didn't know how to design a pair of knickers. I didn't know what I needed to do to start my company. I Googled everything. I found courses. I went on courses I was also very, very lucky in the early days to have met Connie, my co-founder. So I'd already by this stage designed the knickers. The knickers had arrived. I'd set up a really crappy website because I, the, you're talking to the person. I don't know how to turn the TV on. I, I kid you not. I still don't know how to put our TV on because there's two controllers um, and there's so many things you have to go into. I, I don't watch TV. If no one's in, I don't watch TV, which is fine because I don't watch a lot of TV anyway, mainly because I can't, because I can't turn it on. Um, so. You know, I set up a website, but then I was very lucky to meet Connie and Connie now she does all the content. She did all the content then. She does all the social media. She is incredible. She's she's on my wavelength. We've got a sense of humor. Um, the ideas that she comes up with are just absolute genius. I adore working with her. And on paper, it maybe it shouldn't work. Like you say, I'm 20 years older than Connie. Um, but she brings something fresh and really exciting to a subject that is predominantly shrouded in shame I suppose in continence um and she has taught me so much more than school taught me like you know I would never say the word vagina before um I'd call it my down below and I've already said that on the podcast it's so embarrassing I'm still slipping back into old habits but you know she's like corrected me with the terminology and I never understood the importance of that before I totally get it now because because we're, if we're not talking about the, the correct terminology, we're still, it's still hidden in shame. And, and, if, and we can't talk about our bodies if we don't know the right names for it. And Connie's taught me that. I've learned that from you as well. <laughs> so, many, so many people have taught me on the way. And I don't, 
I don't know if it's an age thing, or there are probably women out there who have been very comfortable talking about their vulvas and their vaginas. I was not one of those pers- one of those people. I, you know, I was too embarrassed to tell my mum about my period. So, but so I've come kind of full circle now. I'm happy to talk about those things. I tell everyone. Connie says that somebody will ask me to pass the salt, and I would have passed the salt over to them, but also told them that I've got a dry vagina and a weak bladder. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "You just tell everyone." And my friends as well take the Mickey out of me now. Listening to me, I, I always say, you know, I don't want to tell everyone my business. She said, but you're always on TV telling everyone your business. <laughs> so everyone knows about your weak bladder and your dry vagina. It's like, oh, no, I can't help it now. It's, it's like the words just keep coming out of the, out of my mouth. People need to know about it. <laughs> A problem shared. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And do, talking about incontinence and shame, what's really interesting is that I've heard you said it, you know, you thought it was something that you had to live with. I've heard this from other women, you know, they thought that, okay, well, they've had a kid, they're a bit incontinent, they just have to deal with it. And then they go to the doctor and they find out that they have a prolapse, you know. Yeah. And there's so much that you can do about that. But why do you think we have this culture where we think bad things happen to us physically and we think we just have to live with them? It's women's health, isn't it? Women's health is so overlooked all the time. Is it, is it like they, I don't know how much, um, they spend on women's health, like budget wise. I mean, it's like 3% or something like that. So, you know, men's erections are far more important than, than women's bladders, bladder health and things like that. I think the, going back to the, the, our product is not the solution to incontinence. And we know that. And we're also always so clear about that. You, you have to have a, a, a holistic approach to keeping your pelvic floor healthy. So, you know, I have had to go to the bladder clinic a couple of times to do a diary. I mean, it's just crap. If I'm honest with you, they, they check you out. They go, no, no, you know, you, everything seems fine. Keep a bladder diary and you do a bladder diary and, and they go, well, yeah, you need to do this. You need to do that. So I've worked with, I've, I've had sessions with a fantastic women's health physio called Jenny Hughes. Um, she owns four therapy. I've had numerous appointments with her and she's amazing. And she's really helped me with my breath work. Breath work is so important. I don't drink caffeine now. I drink decaf. Um, I have one decaf coffee a day and that's all I need that in the mornings. I know it sounds ridiculous. It's got no caffeine in it, but I make this amazing coffee with turmeric and cinnamon and coconut oil and stuff like that in it. And it needs to be in a coffee. So I have my decaf, decaf coffee there. There's certain foods that you need to avoid. You need to hydrate yourself. If you're stopping yourself from drinking water, you're you're dehydrating, which is causing UTIs and all kinds of issues like that. So she's really educated me on all of these things. And I think we try to kind of let people know through our socials and our websites and whatever. Um, God, I've gone off on a tangent and I've forgotten the question that you asked me. Um, Why we think that incontinence is yeah, normal. Well... We think it's normal because so many women go through it. This is the problem. And we just don't have the facilities in place to, to look after women in, in that area. So because of the lack of funding, I think it's because of the lack of funding, we're just completely overlooked. But I know there's a great doctor that we've worked with as well. Um, Dr. Paula, I'm going to say her name, surname wrong. Ag- Aguadala, I think her surname is. So she worked at Guys, but she set up a pilot scheme from the government. So it's, government led um and they have uh women's health physios there um i think it's is it midwife so it's all to do with once you've had a baby 
they're going to give you like nine sessions of looking up to look after your bladder. I've I've not given it any justice at all how I've just described that, but it's a pilot scheme if it works and hopefully they'll get it across the UK. And it's I think it's literally at the moment it's just for women who have had babies just given just given birth. Um, but hopefully they can take that out wider and actually look into women's pelvic health and spend a little bit more money and a bit more time in eradicating these issues as much as they can. Because I mean, I have women saying to me, you know, you don't, you shouldn't need your knickers. Um, all you need to do is your pelvic floor exercises. It's like, oh, thanks for the advice. Do you not think that I'm doing that and I'm trying that and I still leak? So, you know, so it really angers me when you have other women saying there's no need for that. You just got to do your pelvic floor exercises. What about women that have had bladder cancer? You know that that's not going to help them either. And it's, it's, it's very insensitive, I think, for, for women to judge other women in that way. Mm. Yeah. I, I love the knickers. I have three pairs and <laughs> I, I adore them. I wear them when I don't have my period because I just think they're so comfortable. And every time I see you, I say, oh, I'm, I'm wearing your knickers. And I, and I know that you are as well because I'm always checking out your bum to see if you are or no or not, if I can see the lines. <laughs> My husband, it just honestly, he makes me die. Like, stop staring at their bums. I can't help it. It's, I go, it's my job. He goes, it's not your job. <laughs> so bad. Um, I want to also just kind of talk about, talk a little bit about. And the embarrassment that you mentioned earlier and how you were able to release yourself um, from that to be so open. Because as you say, a lot of these topics are, you know, intertwined with shame, a lot in embarrassment, in periods, incontinence, menopause. But now, you know, you say you go on TV and you tell everyone your business. <laughs> yeah. How did you get to a place where you were you are able to be so open about this? So, so firstly, I have a really supportive family. So my husband completely supports everything that I do. And t- to my absolute shame, I mean, at the beginning, he would share some of my posts on Facebook. I'm like, no, no, you don't, you don't. Because he's got like maybe, I don't know, 10 followers and they're all friends of his. I'm like, no, you don't need to share it with your friends. I don't want you to share it with your friends. I would be so embarrassed. Um, cause it took a lot for me to put stuff out there at the beginning. Um, I think also I was really embarrassed because I didn't talk a lot about it. So not a lot of people knew what I was going through apart from my friends at hockey. They were the ones who were really encouraging about, you know, starting the business. It's a really great idea. So I was embarrassed about who was following me because mostly at the beginning, it was just my friends following me. And I was embarrassed that some of my friends were going to see my posts and think like, Oh God, you know, that's a bit embarrassing. Who does she think she is? And then I got into like, but these are my friends. Why would my friends think that about me? You know, my friends love me. They wouldn't be my friends if they, if they didn't love me and appreciate me and support me. My friends are, you know, such fantastic supports, amazing support. So I think it was getting over. I think I was more embarrassed. I didn't care about people I didn't know knowing about it. I was more embarrassed about what I was putting out with the people that I did know. And once I got over the embarrassment of that and knowing that my friends love me, and they're there to support me. I actually felt quite confident about everything that I did. Nobody is thinking, who does she think she is? Um, unless they don't care about me and I don't care about the people that don't care about me. Mm. And I want to help people. And I honestly know by sharing my story and talking about what's happened to me really helps people. 
um, because I get messages. I get lovely. I've got cards all over my board up here from from customers that I've never met, just saying thank you so much. You know what you've done has actually been life changing for me. And when you start to get amazing feedback and reviews from people, do you know you're doing something good? And all I want to do is help people. All and I think that comes obviously. I've been a foster carer for 18 years. So that involves helping people. And I think that's really ingrained in my personality and my lifestyle. You know, I want to be the person that helps others. And my sons as well, bless them. You know, they were, how old were they? So were they 23. So they were like late teens, early teens with the other one when I started the business. And I thought, and I was worried about in case any of their friends from school might see some of the stuff. I mean, I've been on my website in my knickers. Like if my son's mates had found that, how embarrassing for them. Oh, you know, they've got a picture of their mate's mum in her, in her drawers. <laughs> um, but my boys are so lovely and they message me and I get lovely messages from saying, mum, I'm so proud of what you've done and what you've achieved. And, you know, from the very beginning, they're like, this is a really good idea because we talked about it. You know, what I was doing, obviously they could see 4,000 pairs of knickers in the office upstairs. Um, and they were like, we're so proud of what you've done, the fact that you've set up a business. And, and my younger son at the moment is looking to set up his own business. And he's coming to me for advice, which I absolutely love. So not only am I kind of helping support women through these life stages, um, I'm happy to support anybody. You know, there's other people that I've almost kind of un, didn't mean to, but I'm kind of mentoring them in a, in a, What's it? What's that word? In a un, not in an un, not in an unprofessional way. In a in a de facto, un, like an in yeah, an unofficial, grateful. unofficial. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. Un, in an unofficial way, I'm kind of trying to support other women who are setting up business. And do you know what? What I love as well in this space, there could be there's competition. We obviously there are competition out there. You've got the reusable pads. You've got the menstrual cups. You've got the towels or pads, whatever. We're there's such a nice community of people that we all support each other. So you could say that we're in competition, but actually we all know that women need choices. Women should have choices and my knickers aren't going to be right for everybody. But I know somebody that maybe you could try the reusable pads or you could try the menstrual cup. Maybe that would work better for you. And we collaborate together. And I absolutely love that about our space. Not everyone's like that, but you know, the women that are around me are fantastic women and we all support each other and, and we collaborate. And I think that's amazing. We're, I feel like we are in it for the right reasons because we really want to support women. And I love that. I absolutely love that. Honestly, my heart is full sometimes. It's just amazing. What you said about you having two sons who, you know, are really proud of you and who are really, you know, who come to you for advice. You know, in in a topic that is, to, you know, is for men, you expect them to be embarrassed. You know, what are they open about these sorts of conversations, talking about periods and all of that? Yeah, they really are. And I think that's something that I was very, um, I, I wanted to do from the from when they were very little. I wanted to be open with them and I wanted to talk about stuff. So we've all of the kids, you know, that we've had coming through our house. We've talked about all of these things about having, get, they need to have a voice. They need to speak up. If something's not right, they need to speak up about it. And I've done, I think I've done a really good job with my foster daughters now. Like, yeah, they do speak up. They drive me mad, but they do, they speak up, they, they have a voice. And I love that. So, we, you know, from an early age, they knew about periods. We talked about sex. We talked about consent. 
you know, all of these important subjects they are very, very aware of. And in fact, my youngest son, I think it was last year or the year before, we were actually, we went up and filmed a, um, this little, a mini documentary about menopause. And at the, I actually cried at the end because he was, they said to him, why did you want to come and do this today? And he said, well, because I feel like, you know, any woman in my life now, I wanted to, I want to be able to support them going through these life changes. So, you know, he, he said, I want to learn about menopause and I've learned a lot from my mum and I want to be able to support my work colleagues or my, my wife or, you know, anybody else around me. I want to be able to support them through that. And that's through conversation. We've done that through conversation. I know that he'll go out and he'll buy his girlfriend period products. You know, he, they're very open about these things. And I, and I love that. Sometimes they're a little bit too open with me with stuff I don't want to know about. <laughs> but that's my fault. I, you know, that we've, we've kind of, we've raised them to be that way. And, and although sometimes I'm a bit like, didn't want to hear that. I'm actually, I'm quite happy that they have spoken to me about it. And, you know, I know what's going on in their lives. Yeah. Because of teenage years, you don't know what's going on in your children's life. They're, they have a secret. All, all teenage children, all, both sexes have a secret life that you don't know about. But I feel like, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of stuff. I, I'm quite intuitive. I know when something's going on in, in my children's lives, even if they're trying to keep secrets from me. I feel like as a mother, I've kind of got a pretty good understanding of what you're up to. You think I don't know, but I do know. Um, so whether they're keeping secrets from me or not, I do know what's going on in their lives. We've been teenagers as well, haven't we? So we know what we've got up to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, exactly. They tend, to, <laughs> they tend to forget that we had a life before. We had that. Yeah. 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 I, I said that to my son the other day. I said, you know, it's okay if you don't want to tell me everything. Cause he said to me, I was asking him questions about what was going on at school. And he said, you know, I don't have to tell you everything, mama. It's, you know, I don't. And I said, no, that's fine. I understand that. As long as you know that you can come to me and tell yeah. me, you know, I don't tell you everything. There's stuff that going on in my life that you don't know about. And I yeah. think. He didn't really think about that, you know, yeah. <laughs> which I, I thought was quite, a, quite, quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't realize you have a whole other life and it doesn't uh, involve him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I agree. I think that we've brought our kids up that, you know, they don't have to tell us everything, but if there's something that they really do want to talk about, they will tell us. Um, yeah. and, and, and I know that from experience, you know, something's been going on in, in one of my children's life that. It's, it's not made them very happy, but they'll come to me and they'll talk to me and, and we can talk through it and we can, we can find solutions to it together. And I love the fact that they can do that. You know, it's, you, you know, that you've, you've done a good thing by being able to, to, to get that into them that we're always here for them. Whatever happens, we are always here for them and that, and they appreciate that and they know they can come to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying I didn't have that with my mom, but I just had. A lot of embarrassment about things. You know, I knew I could talk to my mom if I wanted to. I just feel like it was a completely different generation then. Things were so, so different then. I think we're so much more open now and supportive. Again, not saying that my mum wasn't supportive. She is and she was. Um, it was just a different time. It's just, yeah. yeah. Social, does social media play a massive part in that? I don't know. I think so. I think social media is helping to break down barriers where you see people talking openly about topics that maybe you thought were, were taboo, but you see how open other people are about talking about them. And then that helped. I think little by little, it changes people's perspectives where, yeah. 
oh, actually, you know, it's okay to talk about my period. It's okay, you know, or, or, you know, I shouldn't be accepting this sort of feeling. I shouldn't be expecting, accepting hot flashes or incontinence or, you know, whatever, you know, the kind of gamut of things that we tend to think are normal as women, which actually aren't. I think social media has played a really big, a really big part in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to just go on to just ask about what you have coming up next. So the brand has just launched in Boots, which is absolutely massive. Right? Thrills for you. Um, <laughs> so to say what's coming up next. I mean, you've just had this big thing happen. So maybe yeah. it's just like, okay, you know, let's bed all of this in. But yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Boots was, oh my God, Boots was that. So Boots was on my manifestation board. It's up there. It's on the manifestation board. It's been there for since the beginning. And just for us to be launched in Boots is just amazing. And obviously, we launched with two other amazing brands, Few and Luna Daily. So yeah, we had an amazing panel a few weeks ago, uh, which you were absolutely bloody brilliant on, honestly. And you know, I could just listen to your voice. I said to you, didn't I, at the end, I said, oh, Lenise, you need to do bedtime stories because your voice is just, oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, So yeah, we've got Boots. We were on QBC. So we launched on QBC the same week we launched in Boots, which was absolutely manic and mental. Um, We, what have we, what have we got coming up? We've got a few more kind of stores coming up, Um, not huge stores, kind of independence we have a couple of new uh products coming out next year which is quite exciting so we just launched the fong didn't we which has been um yeah it's been brilliant we've had some really good reception to that we've got i can't talk about them yet we've got two or three new designs coming up next year um we're actually going for funding as well we've decided to go for funding i think we need this to take it to the next stage Obviously, Connie and I have um, done this completely self-funded and I think which is pretty amazing. Like you say, starting a company at, in my 40s with absolutely no business experience whatsoever and just needing a decent pair of knickers um, and now building like an empire. I'm always saying to my husband, I'm building an empire, and building an empire. So, yeah, we've got all of those things coming up. We're at the National Running Show in January, which we absolutely love. So me and Claire go along to that. It's their third or fourth time, I think, of going. It's an absolutely brilliant event and we always do so, so well there. And yeah, we've got like a little group of other storeholders that go along and we meet up and have drinks and it's just like, it's a really nice weekend away, actually. I tell my husband it's really hard work, but actually I love it. I look forward to it. Um, trying to think what else we've got coming up this year. We've got like loads and loads of stuff in the pipeline. We're looking at, um, exporting, like kind of going abroad as well. So that's, that's something that is also on my board um but yeah just like lots of really exciting things really I'm working um I'm doing this whole thing with women in football so because of my love of sport and because of you know how unique the knickers are and how you know um light they are they're perfect for underneath sportswear so we're doing um some work with women in football and hopefully we can kind of kind of grow on that as well so yeah Sorry, I'm being really vague. It's, no, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, you, there's a lot going on and it all sounds incredibly exciting. Like I'm just so thrilled to see you go from, you know, strength to strength. The, the knickers, I remember 
um, when you gave me the pair, I think it was, you gave me a pair of the knickers at uh, some screening. Yeah. And you were like, yeah. try these. What's your size? Try these. And I was like, okay. And yeah, it's just been, yeah, it's just amazing to see what you've been doing, um, from afar. Um, where, where can people find the knickers? Where can they get in touch with you? Okay. So we have our own website, which is nixiebody.com. Um, but you can buy them on boots. If you are a QVC fan, I think we're going to be back on there soon. So give us a wave. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we also sell on Decathlon, Mountain Warehouse, Debenhams and Superdrug online. We're actually stocked in lots of equestrian shops as well. But if you want to speak to me directly, you can email through Nixie Body or I'm also on LinkedIn under Kelly Newton. You can find me under Kelly Newton. Um, and also we've got our social media. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Oh, and TikTok. Not TikTok and Twitter. We're not great at, but, um, I think Instagram and Facebook are pretty cool. So yeah, Connie's like our queen of not just social media. She's like our queen of everything. She's amazing. Um, so yeah, you can find us there. Great. Well, it's been amazing speaking to you, hearing your period story and hearing the story of your business. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're so welcome. Thank you, Lenise. I could listen to you all day. <laughs> for more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Lenise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.